Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bama Forever podcast. I'm Rick Morton. Uh, I'm joined with my co-host, doing Scott well. Moore. Doing well. Scott, how uh, you doing tonight, a, buddy? Been a fun couple of weeks since we last talked. A lot, a lot of interesting stuff happened, and so I'm sure we're going to cover a lot of it this evening. So uh, always <laughs> great to be with you, Rick. Looking forward to it, buddy. <laughs> No doubt, man. Well, I, I hate the hiatus. Part of that was because the uh, the flu epidemic descended on my house. And so we uh, we spent a little bit of time around here wondering, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where it's like you're afraid you're going to die one minute and afraid you're not going to the next. And uh, but we're uh, we're better. We're back on top of it. We've kind of, you know, we've had a little bit of time off, but uh, a lot, like you said, a lot's happened. And uh, man, here we are. The 30th time. Uh, SEC yeah, champions. The 30th time. Right. And, uh... How about Boy, that? Since Nick Saban got to Alabama, the, the, seems like every year you have the opportunity to, to experience this. But I think the thing that stands out to me is what nine straight wins in Atlanta, and uh, three of those were against the number one teams. And I think uh, yeah. what thirteen or fourteen straight wins in Atlanta, you know, during this time uh, as well. So, man, the Georgia Dome and the Mercedes Benz Dome have been awfully good to Alabama over the last few years, not so much for the hometown Georgia Bulldogs. So uh, biggest thing about that, I've said before. Uh, it kind of feels like we, we deserve the deed to the place, right? We do. Like we, and, uh, I, I feel I feel like we uh, kind of own it. A lot of big it. games over there, a lot of big wins. You know, <laughs> Florida State win over there and, and when, they, when they open the place up and then you book in it with a national championship, second and 26, and a lot more. Uh, great wins over there. It's a great venue, but man, uh, who would have thought it? Uh, we, we, we were talking in this very venue a couple of weeks ago and said, look, if Alabama wins out, if they can, can, can just do what they can control and take care of what they can control, we all, we both felt, and I think the majority of people that know football felt like the Southeastern Conference champion would be in the playoff. Uh, I don't think you can have a legitimate playoff without the SEC champion in it. And uh, so Alabama rightfully so got in. Yeah. Well, and you certainly, you certainly can't right. beat, you can't beat the number one team in the nation in, in the, in the biggest game of the year. And, and that not, you know, count for a ton. And, and I think, you know, I'm, man, I'm interested to hear, hear what you think, but I, in, in watching the game and, and just kind of watching the, you know, the SEC championship unfold. I mean, I know we walked out with a three point victory, but um, quite honestly, it was, it never felt that close. Um, You know, I think Georgia getting out to a lead and, and that, you know, first quarter of, of us, you know, kind of trying to get our stuff together, getting moving. Um, that really sort of slanted the field of the game a little bit. But from that point on, um, it was no, it was it, not uh, as close as a three-point ball late game. Score, not not at all. Close. You, you knew they were going to you know fight to the end. They got a 29-game win streak, all that stuff. You knew it was going to come down to that. But uh, uh, listen, Alabama, uh, you know, laid on Georgia. They they won the line of scrimmage, both of them, really, and uh, just pushed them around like Georgia hadn't been pushed around probably since 21. Yeah. And uh, that was a that was a fun thing to see. You needed to take the air out of the uh, out of the ball, and, and and run the clock, and then go down and get a score that would be a decisive score, and kind of put the you know put it out of reach a little bit. Alabama did that, and uh, also when they had to run the clock, get it out, and, and not give Georgia another shot. They were able to do that as well. Offensive lines come miles since the Texas game. Uh, just we knew they were going to be good. Uh, I made a prediction yeah. in, in the spring. I said Alabama will have the best offensive line in the Southeastern Conference. I believe that uh, yeah. because of the talent that they had back and the talent that they recruited and the size. And it, it took a while, but I don't think there's any doubt the best offensive line in, in, in the SEC is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and that's a big reason this team's the SEC champ and going to the playoffs, try to win a, another national title for Nick Saban. You know, and I think, bro, I think one of the things that, that I, I want to make sure we say and, and probably 
you know, dig into a little bit is along the lines of talking about the offensive line and the growth of the offensive line. I I think um, I I do think they showed at the end of the season that they were they were the best offensive line in in the SEC. I think more than that, um, we we showed we have the best offensive line coach in the SEC. And uh, he took a he took a lot of dragon over the course of you know of this season and and I think you know there were a lot of people if if you go back I'd I'd hate to um, you know to put uh, Stoutland's name into Twitter and just you know follow that for a little bit through the first of the season because I think there were a lot of folks that were that were really questioning you know they there was a lot of stuff said about man I thought this guy coming from Kentucky he was supposed to be you know an all world coach and. And I think, you know, what we saw in the beginning of the season was there were there were a lot of technique breakdowns. There were a lot of problems, but we also had a super young offensive line. And these kids had not been in the, you know, in the big game settings. Caden Proctor um, was, you know, he was as green as green could be. And and what you had to realize along the way was the breakdowns that we were seeing happen along the offensive line. Yeah, they needed to get it together. Yes, they needed to get in sync with their quarterback. Yes, there were times when when Jalen was stepping up into, you know, into the rush and and they were they were doing things together where they weren't on the same page. Um, But, you know, you put the time in and and you can stop a guy from. you know, bending at the waist when he doesn't need to, or you can stop a guy from getting overextended and, and throwing a punch and getting off balance and getting on his, on his toes. And I think it's just, it's an incredible credit um, to, to a season's worth of coaching and, and the development of this offensive line that what we saw in the SEC championship game actually actually occurred and you know I've gone back I've probably watched that film three or four times now and I still am amazed at the combo blocks that you know that they were that they were throwing there were there were several times when you know when they went duo and just absolutely blew Georgia um, you know, the, the, out the front and, and, and really neutralized the entire front seven of Georgia um, by what they were able to do with, you know, with four offensive linemen within, you know, three, three yards of the line of scrimmage. And, and I realize this isn't maybe um, the Georgia defensive line from a couple of years ago. This is probably not a team that's going to put, you know, several guys in the first couple of rounds of, of the NFL draft. And, and it's, you know, it, it's probably, it's probably not of that quality, but man, they're darn good. And, and our guys, um, you know, they, they showed themselves. And I think also, you know, we can talk about, we're going to talk about this in, in, in a little bit, but I think it, it bodes well for what we, you know, what we're likely going to see in the Rose Bowl. Um, because I think, I think this group of guys is, is, you know, primed and ready. And so, and I appreciate the fact that you called that weeks ago and, uh, you know, and well, we're on that train was, when uh, a lot of folks were jumping off. Yeah, it was a magical season. And, the, and one of the most enjoyable seasons, I think, for Bama fans in a long time. I mean, listen, we always know that Coach Stallings used to set funds in the winning. But, you know, sometimes winning can get a little boring. And this thing, you know, I've never felt that way, and a lot of people have, which, I, you know, winning is the reason why you do it. But I think with the close losses last year, the what-ifs about last season – and everything that went wrong, and then the way the Texas game went, and then the South Florida game, and then all the doubters with Ole Miss, and winning that ball game, and then going to A&M and winning, it was just, you, you really didn't know what you are going to get with this team until uh, they kind of showed you who they were. And I think the LSU game, and then all the crazy stuff that happened at Auburn, I was like, you know, this is kind of a destiny thing for this team. I'm not one of those destiny guys, never have been. I always believe the line of scrimmage is a whole lot better than destiny. But uh, this team has had this moxie about it all year. And I felt like if you could just get to Atlanta with everything in front of you and just do what you know you can go do, then you can go win it all. 
And I think getting Georgia, removing them from the equation, because you don't have to beat them a second time now, which you had to in 21, because uh, that, that was a, a difficult thing, having to beat Georgia twice, uh, which that was Georgia's best team ever. I'll do respect to these other ones that have won sure. lately. But you got there, you had a chance to, to kind of set your destiny in front of you and, and go <laughs> handle and get that bear out of the room. You know, get that elephant out of the room, a little pun there. But uh, beating Georgia was a big yep. deal because they hadn't lost in so long. But getting them knocked out of the playoff and getting an opportunity, I think, to, to beat a very beatable Michigan team and then maybe get a second shot at Texas or you may, may get Washington. Who knows what's going to happen in that semifinal game? So I, I just think that, uh, uh, you know, I think Alabama's the best team left in this thing right now. I certainly think they're playing better than anybody else. And if you can go take care of business in the granddaddy of them all, it's going to be a it's it's going to be a special uh, January for Alabama people and 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 Nick Saban trying to win a seventh national title and getting ever closer to being the winningest coach at Alabama and the winningest coach of all time in the Southeastern Conference. Which I do believe there's a lot of internet rumor about Saban retiring. Uh, that's that's a bunch of bull. Saban's not retiring. He's on the recruiting tail right now. He's got one of the greatest classes ever already assembled for next season. So I want to go ahead and dispel that because I know we're going to get asked about that. But Nick Saban will be around, I believe, uh, for a couple more championships. And he'll be around until he becomes the winningest coach in Alabama history, which would make him the winningest coach in, in uh, Southeastern Conference history as well. I know that he wants to accomplish those things, and he's within shouting distance of it now. I don't think he steps away until at least that part of his career is done. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, it's been funny to, to watch on, uh, you know, on X and Facebook and, and all the places as, as people have talked about, you know, this is going to be it and this is the swan song for him. <laughs> and, uh, man, that's just whistling in the dark. Let, let's be honest that the, that's other fan bases that are, yeah. uh, that are scared to death of what he's you know likely to do in the next, you know, four five, six years. And, uh, and, and I think, I mean, you know, I've said it before and, and I, you know, it's not like I have a, a relationship with coach Saban, but, um, but I like you have had a little bit of a, an opportunity to be around him a few times and, and, you know, and, and know other people that have, and just what I know of him is um, what in the world's he going to do if he's not coaching football? Um, he, he doesn't have, interest in hobbies, uh, that are, you know, that are so intense or he's yeah. not the guy that's looking to, you know, to get away from it. Yep. This is, this is what he loves to do. And, and so, um, I think we're set and I think we're set for a while, but, but one thing's for sure. Um, I think we're, you know, we can say pretty confidently that we're, uh, we're set through January the 8th. And, uh, and, and so we know what's in front of us. We know, you know, we know the next couple of ball games and the things that they have to do. And, and so it was fun, uh, to, to be a part of a, a 30th SEC title. It was, it was fun to, you know, be able to hang that on the Georgia Bulldogs and, and to, you know, to some degree to avenge some of the, you know, some of the negative talk that's been out there, but, um, man, we got a lot more to talk about. So we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stop here. We're not stopping with, uh, with talking about the SEC championship. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, the college football playoff and the committee and, you know, all the controversy and the stuff that's going on. We're going to hit a little bit of, a little bit of basketball along the way. And, uh, and then, and we're even going to manage to, to talk a little bit about Michigan and, and kind of start the process of, of, preview and the Rose Bowl. But before we get there, uh, we're going to hear from from our friends at Sarah Hyundai. And uh, and so let's uh, let's let's check out a, a commercial from from our friends and our sponsor uh, over there at Sarah Hyundai. At Sarah Hyundai, we're not just another dealership. We're an active part of the community. We work hard to be a respective and helpful addition to Central Alabama. Our work supports the community through donations, to various organizations and programs that help those that are in most need. So remember, the next time you need service or a purchase of a vehicle, come to Sarah Hyundai, the ones who give back. 
Sarah Hyundai, serving the community for over 30 years. All right, Scott, we're uh, we're back. Uh, so, how are things going at, at Sarah well, Hyundai in, uh, in the month of December? Uh, I had no idea how busy December was. Uh, obviously, I haven't never never been in the car <laughs> business, but December's are, are crazy. You know, a lot of people like to to try to get cars for their for loved ones and for themselves for Christmas. But man, the week after Christmas is crazy too. So. Yeah, we're going to be really busy the next couple of weeks. It's the end of the year, so a lot of you know, getting rid of 23s, 24s are coming in, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of great deals on Palisades, a lot of great deals on Santa Fe's, Tucson's, all that stuff. And But the best thing about uh, going on at Sarah right now is 0% financing for 60 months. And uh, so we'll take, uh, take your trade, give you fair market value for your trade, and get you in whatever – uh, you want new car, used car, truck, SUV, uh, electric cars. We got them all uh, over there, uh, Rick. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's going to be really busy. So, hey, come and see me. I'll be glad to help you. You can give me a call at 205 902 1732, and we'll take care of you over at Sarah Hyundai. That's awesome. Well, Scott's going to get Thanks. you taken care of. You look for him. Go find him. Um, he's got a deal for you, and uh, and we're we're excited for for you to go and connect with him at Sarah Hyundai. And we're thankful yeah. that uh, that Sarah Hyundai is helping to make possible what we're doing, and and they're they're behind uh, this thing that we're starting uh, with our you know with our show here on the Bama Forever podcast. And so, uh, man, well let's. Uh, yeah. Let's get in and talk a little bit about uh, college football playoffs and uh, and and just you know everything that we've seen. I mean, today we're uh, we're recording here on on Tuesday, and and so the big news today is that the Attorney General of the State of Florida has uh, has announced that she is uh, she's started an antitrust investigation against uh, against the college football playoff committee. Uh, they implicated the SEC in this as well and ESPN. And apparently uh, she subpoenaed records now from, from all three entities and wants to know about the, the communication that has gone on between ESPN, the committee, and the Southeastern Conference. Uh, she's asking about compensation of officers and people around the the college football playoff. Man, this is just crazy what we're seeing. Um, you know, talked about yeah. and 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 I keep hearing the word unprecedented thrown around. The, the thing that appears to be unprecedented at this point is the level of craziness and pearl clutching that's that's going God, on in the stop. state of Florida around Lord of Mercy. Yep. Lord of Mercy, man. Have a little <laughs> tooth, gentlemen. Yeah, Sorry. we get that. They know I'm recording. Um, they just want that hey. like little crazy nuts right there. My bad. Let's pick it up right there, buddy. <laughs> No, you're well, good, man. I can hear that across the street. I can't hear street. anything, so I don't think so, there's anything coming through. So unbelievable. Um, so, I, wow, that's amazing. Well, I was gonna say crazy. whatever it was, and it didn't. Like, it they didn't know come I'm in here doing the, this, and they're the the screaming at the top of their lungs. I'm like, <laughs> calm down. Sorry, just pick it up right there. Well, that's hilarious. Golly. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll. I'll just go back it. So, I, so Scott, the the level. I, what's crazy about this whole thing is is the level of yeah, uh, just pearl clutching and and really just hysteria that's being created by Florida State around what seems like pretty obvious. Well, uh, well, what's the decision sure, on the part of if, the committee? If uh, Alabama had not beaten Georgia, then. Uh, it would be interesting to see what would have happened. Uh, does Florida State go in uh, or does Texas go in? Um, one of those is going to be left out. Um, and Texas's win over Alabama trumped anything Florida State would have done all year, right? So I, I venture to say had Georgia won, uh, I think Texas gets in over, over Florida State. That's what I think, and uh, because they're a better team right now than Florida State is, 
And I hate that they <laughs> lost their quarterback. We got a lot of friends in Tallahassee, a lot of friends that run foundations down there. I've been a guest at the Tallahassee Quarterback Club a dozen times in the last decade. And so I've got a lot of friends and a lot of respect for what they've done. But the bottom line is they are not one of the four best teams. And Booger McFarland, you and I were going back and forth on Twitter about that. Booger has lost his way because it's not the four deserving teams, the four best deserving teams. It's the four best teams <laughs> in the country, and that's what it is. That's what the committee no. was charged to do in 2014 when they created right. this thing, is to put the four best teams in it. They, they didn't do it last year either, okay? Uh, TC had no business after losing a conference title game being in the, term, being in the thing last right. year. And a 65-7 pounding by Georgia probably got Alabama into it this year. I guarantee you. There was a lot of talk in that committee about we cannot have a right. replay of what happened last year. And you know what? Florida State would have been the underdog against everybody in the playoff. Everybody. Double-digit dog to Bama, double-digit dog to Michigan. Mm -hmm. Washington's better. Texas is better. And I'll say this. Even with Jordan Travis, yeah. they probably would have been in the playoff with him. But I don't think Florida State can beat any of those teams, even with Jordan Travis, okay? That's the truth. So, great season, but we've always talked right. about this, man. Just because you go undefeated, it doesn't mean anything, okay? You can say this, too. The games don't mean anything. That's bullcrap. The games mean everything, okay? Playing the games matter. But just because you won the ACC at the end of the year, had one decent team left in it, who, by the way, lost to Kentucky the right. week before. So they're not one of the four best teams, and there's no right. way this lawsuit or this investigation is going to get anywhere. There was no, there was no antitrust broken. There's no antitrust laws broken. Um, Florida State didn't measure up. At the end of the day, the committee made the right decision, and everybody outside of uh, the opinion of a couple of people that don't know what the charge the committee is, like Bo like Booger McFarland. It was ridiculous what this guy said. Ridiculous. And then he goes on and says, I think Alabama's probably the best <laughs> team in the, in the thing left. But you don't want them in there? You can't have it both ways. So it's embarrassing what Florida State's right, done. They've been right. crying about it for two weeks now. I'll go ahead and tell you now, Georgia is going to hammer them in the, in the bowl game. They're going to hammer them. And Florida State can do everything it wants, and they can talk all they want. Right. But right. if you really want to, if you want to, really want to back up what you think you are, then go in the Orange Bowl and beat that Georgia team. If you do that, then maybe you'll get some respect back that you've lost in the last couple of weeks. I don't think they got a chance in Hades of beating Georgia in the Orange Bowl. That's my opinion about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and they don't either. No, they know Here's the thing: they don't think they do either, and and right. that's that's what I think a whole bunch of this is about. Is, um, and you know, and I heard a lot of a lot of conversation, especially right after you know, within the day or two after the the selection committee made their you know their choices, um, that. People, you know, people from Florida State were looking back to TCU and they were using that as as part of the evidence. And I think it's it's as plain as the nose on your face that the committee knew that they they right. got it wrong last year. They were dead wrong in what they did in in elevating TCU in into the 14 playoff. They saw the fruit of it. And and as much as nobody wants to talk about this, um, College football, everything you said is yeah. true, but this is also a business. And and the fact is that the, the business of college football lost out last year yeah. having TCU in, in the national championship game. Um, there were there were TVs that were turned off and watching Netflix long before they should have been. And there are a lot of advertisers that didn't get the value that, that they were due. And, and I, you know, I hear all of the, the, the chatter out there about, Oh, this isn't about money and the money's in the bank and the deal's already been made from the college football, you know, playoff committee. And they're already under a television yeah. contract. I'm sorry, friend, that's just a bunch of crap. And, 
and it comes down to it comes down to everybody's doing this because it's a business and and the business is putting the best product that they possibly can on the field that's going to get the greatest number of eyeballs that are you know that are available in America to be in front of those televisions and the idea that they would not have a southeastern conference team in the playoffs is absurd um and i'm telling you and i and listen i i mean i got blown up on on twitter for the better part of a week uh by and not just by florida state fans it was you know it was michigan fans it was ohio state fans it was i mean they were coming out of the woodwork from from all places around the sec and the reason is because because they you know because i made the statement the southeast and in particular and this is you know you can go there are academic studies that are out there that have been done the center sure. of the college football universe is birmingham alabama and 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 what that means is if you draw a 200 mile circle around where you and i are sitting right now there are more televisions per capita tuned into college football for more hours on any yep. given Saturday than, than any other place in the country. And so they're not making decisions to get TVs turned on in Los Angeles. They're not making decisions to get TVs turned on in New York state. They're not making decisions to get televisions turned on in, you know, in the upper Midwest. Those are not the places that, that are going to pull the train for the college football playoff. And there was absolutely no chance whatsoever um, that that Alabama was not going to get in from the business side of things. I, I think, you know, and if, and if Florida State fans want to be mad at anybody, there's a long list of people they can get mad at right now. Um, I think, you know, they can they can certainly get mad if they want to be mad at somebody, be mad at Georgia and and go go try to kick the crap out of them in, you know, in, in your in your bowl game. Because because had Georgia held up their end of the bargain, according to their logic, then we wouldn't be having this conversation and they think they were a shoe in. So they need to blame Georgia. The you know the committee what the committee did was perceptual but it wasn't real. The problem that gives Florida State the right to to kind of or they think the right to scream and cry about this is the committee leaving Oregon in yeah. a position that they never should have been in for way too many weeks and 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 trying to trying to throw a bone to the Pac-12 as you know, as they're taking their, their final victory yeah. lap. And so if Oregon had taken the place that they should have, Alabama would have been, you know, we would have been in at least seventh and maybe in sixth position um, going into the final weekend. And, and this whole conversation would have been absurd, but, but I'm going to throw one, I'm going to throw one last villain out to you in this whole thing. And I think it's the person who deserves more of the scrutiny from Florida State at this point, and it's the it's one of three people in the whole world that could have avoided this entire scenario, and he's really close to home to them. And it's Jim yeah. Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC. If they want to sue somebody, if they want to get mad at somebody, if they want to take up pitchforks and torches and and you know go run somebody out of town, Jim Phillips is a great candidate for that. Because if if Jim Phillips and, and George Kleokoff had not been patsies several years ago and had not bought the garbage of the Big Ten when they when they formed the alliance, yeah. we would have a 12 team playoff right now. Florida State would be in the playoffs. Uh, the other undefeated team, Liberty, would be in the playoffs. There would be there would be no doubt right now, and we would be able to settle it on the field. But it's the fault of their own conference commissioner that that we don't have a 12-team playoff, and and he was he was not just complicit in that situation, he was part of he like he was one of the driving factors um, in in that eight to three vote, and so it was it was Warren, Kliakoff, and Jim Phillips were the three obstructionists that that resulted in the fact that we don't have a 12-team playoff, and and so. I don't for the life of me understand why that's so hard for Florida state people to understand. 
and 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 they're they're acting like a you know like a scorned middle school girlfriend at this point in, well, in the way that they're reacting you know, well. to this you know, entire situation. Was the president of the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Mark Mike Alford. Uh, you know, Mike didn't leave a lot of friends in Tuscaloosa when he left, yep. and uh, and there's some for good reason. Not, not very well liked, not really highly thought of, honestly, to be, you know, we're, we're cutting the, getting down to the nut cutting here, but, uh, he was uh, one of the lone athletic directors in the ACC right. that voted against the playoff as well. I think you had to have a unanimous, a unanimous vote from all the schools, uh, to get in the playoff or to, to, to advance to the playoff to that vote. Right. And he was the one, one of the descending votes, among the ADs in the Atlantic Coast Conference as well. So, and that's Florida State's own athletic director that voted against it. So, uh, so he's 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 just as culpable, okay, it, it, for all this stuff. So, Florida State can look in the mirror uh, for being short-sighted. Bobby Bowden didn't want to go join the SEC in 1992 because they think they can go win championships year in and year out, and they they had a great run in the nineties cause they were better than anybody, but you know what? They didn't have many games. They had to win back then. They had to beat Florida every year. And that was hard cause Steve Spurrier had a great, uh, had a great program at the time and Florida state won its share of those games. But, you know, looking back, Florida state won two national titles in Bobby Bowden's career as good as they were in the nineties. And they were great until Bama beat that record, but they won it in 93 and won it in 99. And they played for it a lot, but they got, they have two championships. That's all for all that stuff and all that winning they did in the nineties, right. they got two championships right. for it. And it was a great run, greatest run in ACC history, but it pales in comparison to what other teams have done in the Southeastern conference. So, but that was Florida state's decision. And now here they are uh, on the precipice of going to the big 10 because they're mad. So that'll be very interesting if they go to the big 10, uh, I think it would help strengthen right. the conference a little bit because the Big Ten right now has got, when you start looking at who they've got over there with, with Washington, USC, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, but that, <clears throat> that's the, to me, that's the end of the great teams. Florida State would be in the top five over there if they go there. But I can't, I can't see that making a lot of sense going to the Big Ten when you've got all these natural rivalries that you'd have in the South. But – We'll see what happens. College football's changed a lot for Florida State. They, uh, yeah, they got a chance to get kind of kind of get left out in the heap here if they're not careful with all the stuff that's going on right now, especially today. Well, and I think you know just just one comment about that about you know about them going to the Big Ten. I think the the thing you got to weigh into that is the the cost right. of of what it's going to take them to get to the Big Ten, and you know and and honestly, I mean maybe their boosters will come through and and do something you know pretty radical, but I mean we're talking a fifty million dollar a year price tag for the next five years um, to buy their way into the the Big Ten and. And there, you know, there's money at the end of the rainbow, but uh, but I don't know many programs in America that that can write a fifty million dollar check and that their boosters are going to be willing to stand that for that long. Um, and in a world where NIL is as important as it is, in a world where keeping up with the Joneses is is as important as it is, um, the idea that that they're willing to to bet the farm. And go all in on a $250 million decision uh, it is, risky. is seems incredibly risky at it this point. And, and I and just right now, I don't think it's going to pay off. I don't you know, I don't think they're I think Florida State's budget. Look at the stadium. Look at the expansion. I mean, they 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 had just recently uh, one of the reasons Fisher left is because he was disappointed in facilities. Then Florida State finally went and, and got some facilities, but that's recently. Uh, you know, Dope Campbell's been upgraded a little bit. They've got some, uh, you know, really cool thing that they've done in, the, in their end zone down there that, that is for all their boosters and stuff. A really great addition there. That's where the Tallahassee Quarterback Club meets. That's where they give away the Bolitnikoff Award uh, down there. It's really awesome what they've done. But when you start talking $250 million bucks over five years, uh, given this climate right now, uh, you know, uh, 
where we are as an, an economy in America, and and you mentioned NIL and other things, it, it seems like uh, too big of a jump to do that for me. Well, and I think, you know, I, I don't know how true this is, and I don't have any insight into what's going on at Florida State or in Tallahassee, but the rumors that are out there are that they're they're looking at venture capital money in order to be able to even pull this deal off. And uh, and and I don't know I don't know a whole lot about Florida State. I don't know a whole lot about their school and yeah. about the inner workings. I do understand how venture capital works. And uh, and and you know the fact is uh, the the folks that would be putting that money up are not putting it up because um, you know because they they want to go out with Chief what's his name and you know throw the spear in the in the turf at the fifty yard line they're they're putting that money up right uh, thank you well the, you know they they're they're doing that right. because because they intend to get a return on their investment and how in the world Florida state thinks that they're going to bring their revenue base up through a move to the big 10 to be able to do that. It just, I think honestly what it, but what that serves to kind of help you understand at this point is, is the, the amount of hysteria and, and really just the entire irrational conversation that's going on around this that they're sort of pulling every lever and twisting every dial at this point and there's there's a lot of stuff that's out there being said but there's very little substance in any of it and uh and so i think you know we um we can be morbidly curious about it and kind of sit back and you know listen and laugh a little bit because at the end of the day um, it's, it's not going to change anything about, uh, you know, about the tide. It's not going to change anything about where we're headed, uh, this year or really any, you know, any year in the future. And, but I've never been so thankful to have, uh, Greg Byrne and Nick Saban and the folks that we have that are, uh, you know, leading our athletic department and are at the helm of our program. And, and, and these are, you know, these are great days. I saw some, some TV numbers. Yeah, SEC championship game, 22 million people tuned into it. And that's the most of any of any football game this year, more than Ohio State and Michigan, who had 20 million. And, uh, you know, the final numbers were in this year. Ohio State had, had about 5.5 million people a week watching Bama, 5.2 million. Those are the two most watched programs in America over the last decade. Alabama's averaged over 5 million viewers every week on television. That's tops in the country. That's, that's number one in the last decade. So Alabama, the, the, when Alabama right. plays football, right. when an average broadcast, it's an average game, gets 5 million viewers. That's, a, that's unbelievable. Now, the big games are going to get 9 million, 10 million. Uh, this playoff game between Alabama and Michigan, make no mistake about it, it's probably going to be 30, 35 million people watching it. On New Year's Day, everybody's inside. Everybody's going to be watching. These are the two winningest programs right. in college football history. Michigan with a thousand wins, Bama at nine sixty. Uh, Bama's got more national titles. A funny stat too, and we'll, we'll we'll start talking about this in a minute. But Michigan, I, I don't want to catch you off guard here. You probably know this, <laughs> but our listeners and people that are watching right now, how many national titles do you think Michigan has won since nineteen sixty four? One, one, oh, I one know. national title, nineteen sixty-four <laughs> yeah. in our lifetime. I think Bama's got twelve or thirteen during that time. Michigan's got one championship, and that was all the way That's back right. in nineteen ninety-seven. A split right. national title if they served with with Washington. So, well, I was going to say you're being generous to give them yeah. one because I think it really was, I think they were the BCS champion, but so, uh, but yeah, nevertheless, whatever that, I think they were. <laughs> You know, one of the first ones for the Bowl Alliance champions. I think the BCS started in 98 because Tennessee <laughs> won that one first. So that's how long it's been. Yeah. So they didn't win a championship in the BCS era, that's didn't right. win one in the playoff era. So, man, that's long suffering for the Wolverines. I, I got news for them. Not going to win it this year either, brother. Not going to win it this year either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, that is music to my ears. Um, roll Tide. Well, hey, 
we're gonna in, in the spirit of uh, of Michigan not being able to pull off uh, pull off a win this year and then win not winning a national championship. We're gonna uh, let's take a second and recognize one of our sponsors, uh, our friends over at Title Towel. Um, and Title Towel is uh, the official rally towel of the Crimson Tide. And so, <laughs> you know, Pittsburgh may have the terrible towel. Um, we don't we don't think anything around here is terrible. So we just have we just have titles uh, and uh, and and titles that belong to the Tide. So, um, man, I just want to encourage folks, and and we'll we'll put up a graphic here in just a second with the web address. But want to encourage folks to head over to Whitwill Sports. Uh, witwill.com and uh, and grab a title towel and and here's the deal uh, because they're partnered with us here on the Bama Forever podcast if you use the title or if you use the the code TWO for Tide World Order for our podcast network if you go if you use the 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 code TWO you're going to receive a discount off of your entire order um, and they're going to, they're going to help you to, to be able to get your title towel and it'll be to you, uh, in time for the national championship game. It'll actually be to you in time for the, for the, for the Rose bowl. And so, man, I, I think these, yeah. uh, these title towels, uh, make a great stocking stuffer. We've got a bunch of them around our house here. Um, they're, you know, they, one of the things that they say and part of their, you know, part of their slogan here is, is, uh, is that they are, uh, they're, fo- they're both, um, pride and purpose. And so, you know, you can take it and swing it at the ball game and, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and cheer. Uh, but also on a lot of those games that we have where the, you know, where the sun's out and, uh, it's a little bit warm. It's also a great thing to be able to, you know, dab your, uh, you know, dab your forehead a little bit there. And so, um, man, we're thankful to the folks at, uh, Whitwell sports and for their, their sponsorship and their patronage of what we're doing. And, uh, people, we're glad man. that title towel has, great uh, has come on to be Twitter, a part man. of the Bama great. forever you get podcast. Stirred up out there and, Got the Tide Follow Train on Twitter, so I know it's X now, but I can't I can't break That's the it. Twitter habit there. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. I know. We're just gonna we're gonna continue to call it Twitter. It doesn't matter what Elon Musk calls it, and so he can he can own it. But we're you know we're still gonna give it an identity. Well, man, let's, you know, let's take a, a little bit of a turn and a little bit of a detour. We've, we've talked a lot of football. Let's take a few minutes and, and talk about uh, this past week's game against Purdue and kind of where we are with, uh, you know, with Alabama basketball and, and what, uh, you know, what you see and, and what, like, where are we? We've got a, yeah. a pretty, you know, a pretty difficult stretch coming along here with, uh, with, two more teams in, you know, in the top 10 that we get a shot at here in the next, uh, you know, in about the next 10 days. So, um, well, like, how are you feeling after lose, the Purdue game? Because, uh, you know, that's a, 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 a sore <laughs> consolation prize when you get beat, right? But uh, I thought the way they played, uh, I thought they gave a, a 40-minute effort in the ball ballgame, um, you know, Purdue's one of those teams I, I didn't think would go very far in the NCAA tournament last year. I don't think they'll go very far in the NCAA tournament this year. I think they'll win the Big Ten, but uh, I think there's a lot of issues with them. You know, Edney is going to get special treatment because he's back for his sixth year, whatever it is, and he's unstoppable force. And you just, if you touch him or breathe on him, you're going to get a foul. Bama got in a lot of foul trouble which is what happens when you play Purdue. And that's what happens to you in the Big Ten. That's, that's not an excuse about the refs or anything like that. When you play Purdue, there's a lot of fouls called, mostly against you. So, uh, you know, I thought Mark Sears, 35 points was right. huge. Um, right. Bama's got to find some more scores, though. Uh, there's no question. Shooting the threes is, is one thing, but they've got to find some more consistent scores guys that could put up, you know, 20 points every night. We saw that early on, but who's going to be the number two and three score consistently for Bama moving forward? Know what Mark can do. Uh, I know that some of the guys are banged up right now. There's some injuries. Pringle also getting back in good graces with the team, you know, and also 
who are the best five for Alabama to start right now? I think that's kind of ironed itself out as well. So, uh, and as Nate Oates said, these games that we're playing in, we got to find a way to win them. Okay, so you got to find a way to win this Creighton game. You, you just got to. It's on the road. It's at Creighton. It's going to be a very, very difficult environment. They're very, very good at home, like most college basketball teams are. Uh, so you, the next two are difficult. Arizona is at a different level in their building. So you got to win the Creighton game, okay? Find a way to win this game, and then go take a shot against Arizona. But I think if Bama can win the Creighton game, it'll give them a lot of confidence moving forward. I do say, I will say this. I've seen everybody in the league, and uh, I've seen everybody play multiple times. I think Alabama has got a chance to be the best team in the Southeastern Conference. I really do. I mean, I think that's, I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, I think Arkansas has got some issues. I think Tennessee still can't score. They play great defense, but where do their points come from? Kentucky's got great athletes, very young, okay? Bama's got a mixture of great athletes, uh, a mixture of upperclassmen. Right. And if they can get the defensive end of the ball, Quit allowing people to score 90 on them. I think they can go win the SEC. I really believe they can. So uh, find a way to win win this Creighton game. Try to get better against Arizona, and they'll go get ready for a Southeastern Conference schedule that's really advantageous for Bama. A lot of the games you had to play on the road last year, you got at home this year. So uh, I think the team can go win the SEC. I, I thought they could be 27-6. and six. Probably going to have to readjust that a little bit to about 25 and 9, maybe. Uh, Auburn certainly improved as well. So you got them back and forth. You want to win the in state rivalry again and, and get the upper hand against them. But I think Alabama can win the league. And I think that uh, that's what you try to hang your hat on right now is, is get through this non conference, do as well as you can, try to get a big win against Creighton, and then get ready for the SEC schedule, which is going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, you know, the, several things. First of all, just kind of going back to the Purdue game a little bit, I think I think one of the things I've been concerned about um, all season, knowing that we were going to have right. uh, several games like the Purdue game in our future, knowing yes. that, knowing that, you know, assuming that this team gets to the tournament, that there's going to be a point somewhere along the way where we're going to, we're going to run up on a team that is probably more physical than we are, probably has, you know, more size along the front line than we do. And I think, like, I think we just have to expect that the kind of teams that NATO puts together are, are going to be susceptible to struggling in, in those kind of games. And so it really shouldn't be a huge surprise to us that, that the, Purdue game was a struggle. Right. We don't have enough fouls to give along the front line to be able to play with a team that has a guy like Zach Eady. Um, and and you're right. Like there's no way that you can there's no way that you can really look at it objectively and say that the game was officiated in such a way that that we had much of a chance. I mean, he he didn't he didn't get a foul until uh, his first personal foul was several minutes into the second half. Um, and there's no way that that we had, you know, committed eight or nine fouls wow. on him before he committed the first foul on, you know, on on anybody on our, you know, on our side of the ledger. And so I, I think there's but but the truth is that um, that being a team that's going to kind of work from the outside in, being a team that that's going to rely on. Uh, you know, driving the ball and kicking it out, and and we're gonna we're gonna look to pay, play the percentages. That's just part of the identity of 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 who we are gonna be and what we're gonna be. I think you know you, you start you start looking at that, and um, and I realize you know I know Grant Nelson is hurt. I know I know that I was surprised, yeah. quite honestly, that he was able to go Saturday at all. Um, and much of the talk going into, you know, going into Friday and Saturday was that, uh, that, that there was probably a high likelihood that we were not going to see him. And so, you know, for him to, him to go out and have a 17 point ball game and, you know, and to play as well as he did, 
okay, I, you know, like I think that was a, you know, that was probably a bonus for us. And, and, uh, but, but the truth is, um, you know, we're going to have to win those, win those games differently. And, uh, you know, Mark Sears obviously, uh, had a, 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 an all world kind of game Saturday. He, he played his tail off and, uh, and worked the angles and was, he was just, he was magnificent. Um, but the brother needs some help, (laughs) you know, and, and quite honestly, I, you know, bro, I was frustrated, um, at, at a number of points during Saturday's game, because because I felt like one of the things that that we that that our that our the our guards and our four didn't do very well is they really they didn't move well and they didn't keep the ball moving well in in some pretty significant stretches of you know of the game and in a game where we were having to to look to create shots we were having to look to you know to 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 kind of dink and dunk and find our way through it. And, and man, I'm going to tell you, if Estrada continues to shoot the mid range jumper, Nate Oates needs to bury him under the bench. I'm, I'm just saying it right here, right now. He, he has, he has a tendency to want to go to a shot that he's comfortable with that is completely outside of the design of the offense. And, and I, I, if, you know, if you hadn't gone back and, and just kind of looked at the tape and watched what happened, um, his, his probably there were three or four possessions where he, he settled for a mid range jumper. It completely broke the rhythm of what was going on on the floor. It put us in a bad defensive posture on the other end of the floor and it absolutely wrecked everything uh, that, that, that we were trying to do from a scheme perspective. And, um, and I don't care. I don't care how well the guy handles the ball. I don't, I don't care. You know, I don't care what his stat line looks like at the end of the game. Um, he he's, and, and I don't really care how good his defense is at this point. And I know, I know, you know, coach is putting uh, a high priority on, you know, on defensive intensity, but I don't care what the guy brings in defensive intensity. If he can't get it together on the offensive side of the ball um, sooner than later, uh, he's going to need to sit. And, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm laying that one down and saying, you know, that's a, that's a hill worth dying on. And I'm afraid he's about to play his way out of the starting lineup and about to play his way out of some. One thing about it I think this has been true with, with his teams, not last year so much, but they just have spells where people stand around. And uh, that frustrates you when you have an offense yep. that's a tax-style offense or it's getting them before get off a three as quickly as you can. But there's a lot of standing around in key situations and guys having to go try to find a shot. And, uh, and then one guy ends up having to do it a lot of times. And uh, they've got to have consistency in their scoring for, where you can get depend on guys every night. Uh, you know, a guy's going to get 17 every night, not just, you know, somebody like Brandon Miller that you knew yep. 19 points a game is going to happen. They've got too many guys that can do that, and they've got to get consistency in their performance moving forward. Uh, or, or we're, we're going to have a, a season of what ifs. But I think the team, I, I do think, based on what I've seen, Again, out of all the teams in the SEC, it's a lot like last year. Arkansas is hit and miss. You never know what you're going to get. Auburn is very inconsistent as well, up one night, down the other. Kentucky's the most talented team in the league, in my opinion, by a wide margin. Tennessee can't score. They cannot score, cannot put the ball in the basket. They play great defense, but they cannot score. Bama can do a little bit of it all, but their defense is questionable. So to me, the SEC is wide open, and I think Alabama is good enough to win it if they can correct the things that they need to yeah. correct. And, and that's going to, you know, we're going to find that out really quick. As soon as that Rose Bowl is over, we're going to get right into the SEC uh, schedule. And so we'll. <laughs> that's it. 
But and it's going to be fun this weekend. It's going to be fun this weekend to see how this works out. And I, I think, and I'm inclined to agree with you. If we can steal one from Creighton, um, that's going to, you know, that's going to going to be a, a that's a bonus. I think at this point. And uh, and so let's you know let's see what happens. Well, man, um, one more one more uh, plug we want to do on tonight's show, and uh, and that is to uh, to talk about our friends at Roll Tide Jerky. Um, I've got the Roll Tide Jerky t-shirt up here. I don't know if you can see that. I can't see it because it's in front of my face. But uh, Roll Tide Jerky is, uh, is, a, is a pretty interesting product that has come alongside to help us with the sponsorship, but also uh, a product that was born to help Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide Athletics. And so um, the, uh, the proceeds from Roll Tide Jerky go to fund an NIL initiative to, to, uh, to help fund uh, our offensive line. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a program unlike, uh, pretty much, uh, anything that's going right now in, uh, in the NIL world. And so every single order of roll tide jerky that you, um, you know, that you grab, uh, part of that order, part of the proceeds from that go, uh, to yay Alabama, to the, the Crimson Tide, um, uh, sports group. And, and, and essentially are, uh, are creating an NIL deal, uh, for, uh, for Alabama offensive linemen. And one of the things that Roll Tide Jerky's done in, uh, in support of the Bama Forever podcast is, uh, is they've created a 10% discount. So if you use the, the code TWO, uh, for Tide World Order, for the Tide World Order network that we're a part of in the podcast, if you use the, uh, the, the code TWO, you'll get 10% off your entire order from Roll Tide Jerky. They've got pork jerky, they have beef jerky, they have t-shirts, they have koozies, they have all kinds of stuff, um, gift boxes that they put together that would make incredible stocking stuffers or something to go under the tree, uh, you know, for your friends and family. And so we encourage you to go to RollTideJerky.com. Uh, check out their products page there and, and just pick out a bunch of stuff. Know that, know that, you know, the more you spend, the more you're going to create an opportunity for athletes, uh, for the university of Alabama. And if you use the, 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 uh, code TWO, you're going to save a little bit of money. You'll save 10% and, uh, and, 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 you know, you'll let them know that, uh, Scott and I are the ones that sent you. So, uh, we hope you'll get out there and grab some, uh, some roll tie jerky. Well, man, we're going to, you know, we're going to wind up tonight and uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the University of Michigan, but we're going to kind of stick our toe in the water a little bit to talk about the Rose Bowl and, and what's coming up with, uh, you know, with the Rose Bowl game on, on New Year's Day between the, the Tide and, uh, and the University of Michigan. And, uh, and so, man, what are your initial thoughts about, about that game and, and just, you know, where's your head at as, as we, you know, as we think about, uh, the upcoming Rose Bowl. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man, I, you know, I think, um, as, as I've thought about, um, just the opportunity that we have in the Rose Bowl and, and what's, you know, what's coming up, um, it's not lost on me that this is the first time that, that Alabama's played in the Rose Bowl since the forties. 
Uh, we've we've played in Pasadena. We've played in you know we played the national championship game there. We've uh, we've played in the Rose Bowl in Arlington, Texas during the pandemic. Uh, but truly, we've uh, you know we've not been a part of a game at the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day called the Rose Bowl since the 1940s. And and for a kid that grew up hearing about um, the the exploits of the teams through the 20s and 30s and 40s, um, going into Pasadena and and doing the things that you know, that, that our teams were able to do over the years in, uh, in competing in the Rose Bowl until, you know, until that was, uh, that was taken away from us and taken away from the Southeastern Conference. It's, uh, you know, it, it's pretty special to have an opportunity to be able to go back. So um, we, you know, I think as, as we look to, uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna spend an entire episode breaking down uh, the Rose Bowl on our our next episode, but uh, just really want to encourage you to um, you know to to get out there to be faithful to get ready to do whatever. I don't know what in the world happened. It like went. It sounded like something out of a sci-fi movie there for a second, and then just like went like it was crazy. So I don't know what. You, Let's just pick it up. Why don't we just like let's just start over and we'll just we'll just kind of pick up that last segment and just go. And I man, I think we really honestly can probably do like five, ten minutes on that and just lay down a teaser for next episode and go from there. So if that's if that's good with you. All right. Well here we go. So all right, Scott. So we know um that you know we've got a, a huge game coming up in Pasadena here in uh you know, here in a couple of weeks as, uh, as University of Alabama gets an opportunity to be able to, uh, you know, to, to be able to, to play in the Rose Bowl. And uh, just, man, would love to hear tonight some initial thoughts that you have. We're going to have plenty of time to break the game down and, uh, you know, really to look at that matchup and, and all of it and, and to do that with, uh, you know, with a, a pretty, pretty serious degree of, you uh, you know, of, of care, but, uh, tonight, what are your initial thoughts as, as we think about the Rose Bowl? Right. Yep. Well, man, I tell you, as, as we, you know, as we think about the game and, and, uh, and I, the thing that, that I really kind of have focused on about this whole thing. And I, you know, I've told you, and I've said here in the past that, um, you know, really, uh, being a fan of the university of Alabama for 50 years growing up, you know, with, with a dad who, uh, you know, whose fandom goes back into the 1920s. 
Um, it, it What's special for me about this is this is the first time that Alabama has played in the Rose Bowl, in the Rose Bowl game itself since 1946. Um, we played – we played in the in the stadium in Pasadena in a national championship game. We've played in the Rose Bowl game in in Arlington, Texas, during the pandemic. But but since uh, since we were shown the door in the 1940s and Southern teams weren't allowed to to come back to the Rose Bowl, um, this is the first time that we've had an opportunity to be able to go into that hallowed venue and, and to play under those circumstances. And pretty much everything I believe as an Alabama fan and pretty much everything that my fandom is grounded in, uh, I think started in the twenties, thirties and forties when, when, when our boys traveled out on the train and, uh, and, and, and kicked some, some, you know, Western behind uh, and, and, won the Rose Bowl. And so I have a great anticipation for this. And there's a nostalgia piece to this that um, everything we can line up about the game and we're going to break it down and we're going to talk offense and defense and all, you know, all the squads. And and we're going to talk about all of that. But I'm going to tell you from a passionate Bama fan, I want to kick their butts and I want to leave them reeling. And I want to do it on that field at that time in that place, because I think it's that important to the University of Alabama. And so, um, man, that's how we're going to wind it up. We're going to be fired up. We're going to be ready. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks um, spending a lot of time thinking about football and thinking about what's going to happen in Pasadena. And uh, and you and I are going to spend a lot of time talking about it over the next couple of weeks. And so we want folks to join us right back here on the Bama Forever podcast and, and for us to be able to talk all things Crimson Tide. And so I'm Rick Morton. This is Scott Moore. We're thankful you guys joined us, and uh, and we'll see you right back here again next week.